Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm joined by lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the latest Federal Reserve rate hike and what that means for housing. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah, on Fed Day. Oh, my gosh. This is a huge day. We've all been looking forward to this. So we are recording this on Wednesday. This will go live on Thursday. So, okay, I'm handing it over to you. What What's the big takeaway? We knew there was going to be this rate hike. What is your big takeaway? So some of the language has changed on the Fed statement, um, and they're talking about, you know, well, we might slow the pace down of rate hikes. Do we understand that there will be a lag uh, impact? And I think the market originally just ran with that, but that actually was kind of, you know, talked about before. So um, I don't see too much of a difference from what I believe the Fed was going to be in. And uh, the when we wrote that article a few days ago, that the Fed is going to say the labor market is good and household balance sheets are good. And Chairman Powell used that specifically today when he was asked about the housing market. And he addressed it. Yes, I know the housing market is really getting weaker, but household balance sheets are a good. And in that article, I outlined since the start of the century, how this has changed for them or how they look at the economy now. And then, uh, of course, the labor market is still very solid. And for me, uh, if we're talking about pivoting, right, jobless claims have to break above 323,000 on the four-week moving average. Then I believe they fold. And there's more of that talking points right now that I get from them that they will fold when the labor market folds. They're they're doing whatever they can to hike up rates as much as possible and just letting it stick. And we're almost at the end of this, whether it's the Fed funds rate at 4.5% or 5%. If the trend line of some of the growth data on inflation starts to cool down like some of it has, especially with shelter inflation next year, we're kind of, we're going to be there, right? We're kind of toward the end. And at that point, really the pivot is, Jobless claims, that's it. Uh, That'll be the determining factor at this point. So for me personally, looks about right. Uh, I know some people took that original statement, but we're kind of anticipating we're coming toward the end of this uh, rate height cycle uh, uh, anyway. So how much more from, you know, so we just had some some job reports, uh, some job numbers come out. How far off are we from that labor market uh, number turning? Well, here's some historical precedents. Um, back in 2006, the housing data was getting noticeably weak, uh, and uh, it was going into a recession itself. Uh, we're in that phase exactly right now. Uh, the unemployment rate or the job loss recession is actually forecasted for next year, right? So the, the Federal Reserve's own forecast talks about the recession happening next year. So uh, if everything stays true, um, uh, in 2023, the job loss recession <clears throat> would start. And then once the jobless claims data starts to go, I, I if I do a paper, rock, scissors game, uh, jolts versus claims, you always want to take claims, jobless claims over uh, job openings. Then that dynamic uh, changes. So jobless claims to me is the most critical 
data line uh, that we have just for the overall economy's sake. And still today, it's below any levels that we've seen from 1970 to 2019. Any timeline? Yes, a rate hike in December. No. Oh, it, it, it's uh, we're 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 going with more rate hikes until we get to four and a half to five percent of the Fed funds rate. So we still have uh, it, it. Really, the the debate is what's the speed? Do they do they hike fifty basis points in the next two times and then twenty five percent after that? They're laying the groundworks for the growth rate of rate hikes to possibly cool down, but we're still in that phase. The question is, when do they turn? Right. Uh, And I think that's the more important question right now is that when the labor market is really the driver here, uh, uh, if you're looking in for that, it's not so much on inflation at this point. If you're looking for a pivot, they can get away with all of this right now uh, as long as the labor market is solid because they even talked about it. I mean, I mean, uh, it, it was really, really critical for me to write that article for Housing Wire to show people what the Federal Reserve is looking at. And household balance sheets are really good. And what you have is, again, amateur hour on Twitter finance from stock traders and professional grifters who literally use the credit card balance total nominal growth and saying personal savings is down. No, that is a professional grift, right? Excess savings are still above $1.5 trillion. Credit card growth has been growing every single month during the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history, that's not going to do it, right? It's the household balance sheets. You'll see credit stress come up in delinquencies, uh, in bankruptcy, stuff like that. We're not there yet. And that's why that article was written uh, a few days ago, because we saw credit stress happening in the early part of the century, and we saw it really pick up in 2005, 6, and 7, and 8. The Federal Reserve didn't have the talent on their staff to actually acknowledge that this was going on until very late after the credit burst happened. Okay, so I'm assuming they've got more talented people here to show that, hey, yeah, the stress is not there yet. Uh, So they are correct with that. That is not a wrong assumption. It's professional stock traders, what I will call middle aged men, don't have relationships with their families well, that keep on saying, Debt expansion every single month from 2010 and on will cause a recession. It didn't. We had the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history. It was a global pandemic that put us in a recession very briefly for like six weeks. And now we're here. So we have to look at what the Fed is looking at. And they used it today. They basically said, labor market, household balance sheets. They spelled it out. And that's why that article was written. So people could go back and take a look, right? Reading is a good thing. We always believe that the history of human civilization has always looked down upon people who don't read or try to gain knowledge, right? They're stuck in their old ways. This was what the Federal Reserve is using. Whether you agree with it or not, that's their format right now. So go with jobless claims. And until you see actual credit stress happen, they don't care, right? Uh, so they're going to get to their 45 to 5% Fed funds rate because PCE, uh, that inflation data line is looking at 45 to 5% whether it's a three-month, six-month, or 12-month, and they're going to get there, and then let's see what happens. But I think we're we're getting to that point to where we're almost at the end, and really the economic data uh, is going to outweigh a lot of things at this point, because we are in a different spot today than we were last November, where we didn't have a lot of rate hikes, and the growth rate of inflation was really hot, and some of the, some of the inflationary data was still hot, while some of the inflationary data is cooling. Right, we see it in Shanghai ports. We see it in used cars prices. 
we're starting to see the breakdown of rent inflation. So we're just in a different spot. We just have to kind of endure this time frame to get to the next stage, which is why I think 2023 is also going to be a different format discussion compared to 2022 based on all the variable factors that we have seen the Federal Reserve present and the data present now. So homeowners, the balance sheets look great. That's wonderful. But the housing industry is getting hammered. These high rates are just, you know, we're seeing the whole recession in the in the housing industry. And they've talked about a housing reset. Are, is the housing industry the sacrificial lamb of, of this Fed right now? Sarah, remember in 2021, where I was like talking about, this is a very unhealthy housing market. And kind of the the phrase that I use that higher rates have to put home sellers, home builders, and investors, part of my language, on their ass. That's kind of what the Federal Reserve is thinking. Why? Because home sellers are greedy bleepity bleeps, right? They went and sold their homes at the highest price and put contingencies down. And I don't trust people. I don't trust, I'm never trusting people ever again. When inventory gets to a certain level, the Federal Reserve has to check this. And builders did the same thing. They jacked up prices, even on contracts. They canceled contracts and jacked up prices again. These people needed to be put on their ass because what happened was the reason why we're in this housing situation is price growth accelerated beyond anything. Uh, and it wasn't like a credit boom, right? We see all this data. It's such a great example today. Purchase application data is literally below 2008 levels. It's really kind of where uh, we were in 2014. And inventory isn't skyrocketing because there was no credit boom. All the homeowners were legit, right? So primary resident homeowners are fine. The Fed acknowledges this. But the price growth was so detrimental. This is why I had that affordability index set in stone. And this is why at the end of 2020, especially the, the fall, was like, okay, this could be a problem. So things need to be balanced out, right? So this is the rules. You as home sellers will never be trusted again when inventory gets low. And I, I, when I say this, I am not kidding. The Federal Reserve has, has thought about this and go, okay, we have to be mindful of this going out because if it happens again, this is why I like to have total inventory levels get back to 2019, where we have some kind of buffer. The market did not function right when we broke to all-time lows, right? It forced a lot of bidding, and this is what happens, right? Boom to bust, different type, different type of thing with the credit. It's not a credit cycle boom anymore. It's a price cycle. So when rates got up, checks and balances. So I, I agree with the Federal Reserve. I, uh, I've been very adamant about this, maybe more bluntly that you cannot trust home sellers or home builders on their own anymore. Well, listen, I, I was one of those home sellers and I totally uh, got the most money that I thought I could do as I think it is my job to do as a home seller. When we talk about this is how you build wealth. If this is how you build wealth, then we cannot say, oh, what do you expect home sellers to be like? I'm going to actually cut this by 10% what I could get. No, I don't expect you to do anything but what is the best interest of you financially. And that's why... Part of team higher rates, especially, I think people forgot it. It's it actually, it was this year. If people saw what was going on in January and February, right? When I kind of threw in the towel mid-February, it was like, oh my God, we're seven. We're having like 30, 40 bids. Inventory broke to all-time lows. We're 34. Everyone's going to do what they need to do for their own interests. That was the core concept of the housing reset. 
it wasn't it wasn't because there was a massive credit boom where they could tighten credit. You can't tighten credit. It's a thirty year fixed loan. Majority of loans are thirty year fixed. What are you going to do? Take that away from the system? Um, so it it had to be done this way. Now it's a sloppy way of you know doing it in a sense that when rates when rates move up so much so fast in a year, it changes behavior. The detriment what we saw in the data is that at the end of June. <laughs> New listings data said, that's it. I'm not doing this. And that's where we saw a decline in new listing data. It's continued all the way toward the end of the year, which means that seller that is a traditional buyer is also out of the system. So you're getting hit on both fronts. And we see that in the purchase application data today. Uh, one of the things I talked about in the past that uh, because October is going to have very challenging cops, October, November, December, we're going to have 35 to 45% declines be the norm. Uh, we had 41% year-over-year declines. That looks normal to me. If the data even gets weaker, we could get to 53 to 57% year-over-year declines on the purchase application data. And this is what happens when price escalation happens in a very, very small amount of time, where during the housing bubble years, which is still to this day, not a lot of people remember, um, inventory was rising during the housing bubble years. That was a credit boom. And then when that credit boom Bursted massive increases in supply because the credit deterioration was already happening. Here's a much different case, right? You know, uh, total inventory levels today, NAR, 1.25 million. Total inventory levels back in 2005, 2.5 million. Total inventory levels in 2007 after the credit boom burst at 4 million. So even with this massive hit in demand, uh, the homeowner is legit. This is why I've always tried to stress. Uh, uh, household balance sheets are different. Uh, educated people who work don't sell their homes to be homeless. Uh, it, that never made sense to me. Um, so people are in a good spot with their total housing costs being low, and which means they are staying, right? Because you don't purposely ruin your life, you know? Uh, so that's the problematic of inventory channels. And this has been here really since 2012. This is not a, this is not a, uh, all of a sudden this happened. We've had inventory channels fall, even when we had weakness in demand in 2018 and 19, they didn't budge too much. So that's a problematic situation for the housing market. We're working with a smaller group of sellers uh, out there. And if new listings data doesn't grow, you lose that buyer. So again, the ultimate fear is always that housing gets stuck, right? It gets stuck. First world problem, but it, it's there, right? Homeowners are doing well. They go, I'm not budging. Uh, uh, and then the rate situation gets, and if, for me, it was just four to five percent mortgage rates would have changed the narrative. But getting to seven, you could see the problematic situation. Housing went into recession in June, and we're in this stage right now. So I agree with the Fed housing reset. Um, I've been very adamant about this that we were in a very unhealthy spot and got really bad early in 2022. But it's because of someone like you, Sarah Wheeler who got the most you possibly can because you are entitled to make the most money off of your home, uh, that uh, something needed to break this. And oddly enough, 4 to 5% mortgage rates didn't do the damage I thought they would do, uh, but 5 to 6% mortgage rates did. And now at 7 of course, uh, you know, not much is going on with housing. Uh, the last stage of the uh, recessionary data for housing is going to be when do the construction jobs start to go. Uh, right now, the labor is still being uh, held up because the backlog of homes. I just want to remind everyone, we only have 56,000 new homes for sale right now. That is now. crazy. That, 
And uh, we have 406,000 of homes that are either in construction or not uh, constructed yet. Okay, so it's not a lot. New home sales are still very low historically, but still back to 1996 level. So we're dealing with a different marketplace there where I talk about at the peak of 2005, we were like 1.4 million new homes. So you had this big downdraft, 82%. Here, we've had this big downdraft and we're just back to 1996 levels. So it's a lot of tug and war action right now uh, with rates. But in regarding with the Federal Reserve, you clearly see they realize housing is in a recession but they're very adamant about this um, until the labor market breaks. They're just going to raise rates, even if they do it slowly, and they're going to let it stick. They're more data dependent now in a sense. They want to see what the lag effects are, which is, you know, we're getting closer to the end of where they talked about where they want Fed funds rates to be in. So it's actually a very coherent Fed's day if you kind of listen to their talking points over the year, over the last year, and they made it clear more pain for Americans, and we need a higher unemployment rate. You're not going to get a higher unemployment rate with uh, a labor growth, right? Population growth is falling. Uh, early in the recovery, Sarah Wheeler and ourselves, when we we're doing the COVID-19 recovery model, we said job openings, 10 million, right? It was after the missed uh, jobs report in, in, in May of 2021, where everybody said, well, Americans are being paid to stay at home, Right. Uh, they're being paid. So as soon as that ends, all this labor is going to come to the market. No, you cannot bend the rules of demographics towards your favor. I, I remember you were on a vacation to you, you're sort of famous for taking these amazing vacations to amazing places. You're on a beach somewhere and you wrote out 10 jolts, 10 million. And then I, I, I think you were even like jolts, 11 million. I mean, you were early on. Yeah, the labor. It was, it, it, it's, it's interesting in, in this aspect. Um, People never read the population growth of the civilian labor force, and it's not that much. So naturally, people bought into the grifting tactics of labor force participation rates are falling since 2000. That means millions of Americans have sat home since 2000. They're buying homes, renting, car, eating without working. No, that was never the case. I've This has always been my pet peeve. That's why I hate the labor force participation data. Um, population growth is falling as the baby boomers are leaving. Right. So you have replacement workers. That's the benefit the U.S. has, but they're not evenly distributed around the country. So there's parts of the U.S. that are going to have trouble. And part of me actually almost enjoys this, that people are now starting to realize, wait a second, where are all the people? Where are all the cowboys? Where are all the people coming to work? We expected this to happen once the checks were done. No, this downtrend has been in place for decades Right. Uh, so uh, if you don't have robots, by the way, I love the robots taking all the jobs act. Uh, manufacturing job openings are, are still very elevated. Uh, you need to find labor, which means you have to compete for labor. So if you're a small business person who is so frustrated because you have to pay twenty five to thirty dollars now where you are paying twelve to fifteen. I hear you. It is painful. But if you are told that, oh, population growth falling doesn't matter immigration's a bad thing. Don't worry, robots will take it. Then that's on you as a business person. That's on you. So either you you have to really endorse immigration or you have to go out and get people from other companies, which means you have to pay more or give more benefits. I've always said a tighter labor market is a good thing for workers because they have some power now. Of course, whenever we get a tighter labor market, the Fed has to raise rates because that's not a really good thing. In any case, we get to see these historical dynamics. And I encourage everyone, 
If you go back to the May 21st or May jobs report, the article I wrote, I literally highlighted everything. We'll get all the jobs back lost to COVID, but it'll be September of 2022. But job openings are going to get to 10 million. Back then, job openings, I think, were a little bit under 7 million. Why? Because the laws of big demographic swings do not change for your narrative or your bias or anything in that nature. And the Fed uses this all the time. The Fed talks about job vacancies are very high. Job vacancies are very high. But as of this moment, jobless claims over jolts, right? When jobless claims break, they will fold. We're not there yet. Well, I'm going to link uh, all these articles that you're talking about. Like, go go look at this. You know, um, I'll link those to this podcast underneath so people can go and, and do a deep dive. Okay, how high are mortgage rates going to go? And you and I talked back in the back in like June and July. I was like, how high can can mortgage rates go? And you talked about the people who who thought things were in the seven or eight have to really believe have to be really bullish on the economy. Well, here we are. It is. Uh, when and the, seven, the economy stayed firm, right? It did. The economy, the, tongue, so, the economy stayed firm. So here right now, if you look at where the Fed funds, right now you have to target kind of seven and a half at this point uh, uh, where the Fed funds are going to go at. Uh, and if bond yields keep on rising, remember, the, the Fed is very bent on making uh, financial conditions tighter. Right. So the one thing that is different now is that they're talking, we're, we're, we're not going to sell mortgage backed securities or anything. They already know that mortgage rates are kind of are doing their thing. So the spread between the 10 year and the 30 uh, year mortgage rate is really big. So if the Fed really wanted to, right, and I don't think they're, they're at that stage yet, if the Fed really wanted to lower mortgage rates longer and just all they have to do is say one sentence, we'll be back in the mortgage backed security markets. The 10-year yield doesn't even have to go down. You can have mortgage rates fall 1% to 1.5% by itself. Uh, but we're not in that situation because they do not believe that uh, the economy is in that dire straits yet. That's why jobless claims breaking is key. And that's why we've always talked about this tug of war, right? You know, If jobless claims broke right now, let's say that we were losing 200,000, 300,000 jobs per month. Different story, right, with the Federal Reserve. They can no longer use that, uh, but we're not there yet. So that is the line in the sand. And look, you know, with the Fed funds rate, you know, we're, we're kind of toward the end of this, maybe seven and a half uh, percent, kind of look at that, maybe eight percent if the bond market gets crazy. But one of the bigger things that happened recently is that the Federal Reserve is now concerned about the liquidity in the 10 year yield in the bond market. So uh, uh, where they didn't acknowledge it before. So things have kind of somewhat calmed down around at this 4% level, 4% to 420. We'll see how that reacts. But once claims break, there you go. The, the cycle is over. The job loss recession the Federal Reserve wanted is in. Totally different talking points at that, at that stage. Do you think we're going to see people over the next couple of days talk about 10% mortgage rates? No, I mean, there's always people that are going to talk about 10% mortgage rates. They've been doing it for a very long time. Uh, so the Fed has kind of made clear that they're not going to sell mortgage-backed securities. And you really need the 10-year yield to break out, which the Federal Reserve has already talked about. Or Ch- Janet Yellen, Secretary Treasurer, has talked about, okay, we need some bond stability uh, out there. Um, so that's I, I, we're, we're not there yet. You follow the 10-year yield, right? Because the spreads are already blown out already. The Federal Reserve has acknowledged that the spreads are already blown out. So you need the 10-year yield to go up. So 5 5% Fed funds rate, you probably got some um, uh, more legway. If the economy stays firm, the economy weakens, difference. And uh, you know, a, a good reminder is 
when the 10-year yield actually broke down, when the economy data was getting weaker earlier in the year, they really were adamant that they did not want that to happen. So you have to give the Federal Reserve credit that when rates were falling and the stock market was rising, they made it a group effort to make sure that we do not want this to happen. There has to be more pain for American citizens for us to get our job done. So not a dual mandate Fed anymore. It's a single mandate Fed fighting inflation, right? See, Jerome Powell is very adamant about this. He says, we have to fight inflation uh, no matter what. So uh, believe them when they say this and believe them that the Federal Reserve, their own forecast is basically saying a job loss recession next year. They're starting to talk about, well, we have to wait to see the lag impacts. Okay, that's fair. But you're still in this process until claims break. When jobless claims break, all that goes away. You talked earlier about how you feel like they're a junkyard dog that is mostly bark. And but if you go up to him, how does how does their recent actions? How does this action? How does that square with that? They can talk all they want until claims breaks, right? So some of them some of them are talking about well, if we're in a recession, we might not cut rates. They're already trying to backtrack somewhat from that talk. I I believe the Federal Reserve is talking to Wall Street. They're not really talking to Main Street. Because they probably say the Main Street don't even know who we are. We could walk down the street and nobody would know us. So they do not want stocks rallying and mortgage rates going lower. They want financial conditions tight. They can get away with this as long as the labor market is still healthy, right? Uh, so housing, of course, the sacrificial lamb, right? Because that's a very rate-driven sector. Everything else is still intact. And they say it. They said it again. Uh, I think people are confused. They go, well, the Fed says the household balance sheets are good. If you go look at the data, it's good, right? Uh, there's nothing There's nothing uh, wrong with that. So we need to look forward to when the labor market turns or when we see some more credit stress because if, it's already tightened a lot. The financial uh, uh, markets have already tightened a lot. And they just want to keep that there until the growth rate of inflation. And then some of the inflation data we've already seen are cooling down. Rent inflation, the growth rate's already cooling down. We see the difference between 2021 2022, and you know that that thing should also look better in 2023. We're going to have more supply come on. That article we wrote for Housing Wire: 910,000 two-unit construction are coming on. That'll come on in 2023. So you just connect the dots right here, and you can see that 2023 will be different than 2022. 2022 is much different than where we were in 2021 November. So coming at this point, uh, the only thing that changes this is that the U.S. economy keeps pushing along, right? People start still consumes, household balance sheets are great, everything moves on, the rate hikes don't have that kind of measure. Only really the negative impacts is the housing market. So we'll see how that works out. But uh, clearly the Fed has acknowledged today that the housing market has gotten extremely weaker. And we all see that in the data. Uh, and again, a recession for me is very easy. Production, sales, jobs, incomes all fall. Housing went into recession in June of this year, and it's in the first year of this recessionary phase. So we'll see how that works out uh, for next year. But I've kind of outlined the case how mortgage rates could fall next year based on what the Fed is thinking about, how, they, how they're looking at inflation, the spreads, you know, forecasting an own recession. I, I don't think people know this, that literally the Fed has forecasted a recession next year by having their unemployment rate get up to 4.4%, which is not a labor pool, people coming in and raising the rate that way. That has to be jobless claims breaking at this point. So one of the other sectors that we see getting hit really hard besides housing is, is the tech sector, right? Because um, 
tech stocks have have taken a beating and that means that compensation is different. We've seen layoffs. I mean, do you feel like, are we seeing a, a recession in that area yet? Well, I mean, you see hiring freezes, but we don't see like major layoffs uh, yet. We don't see like Facebook laying off 20%. I mean, like Open Door just laid off 18% of its uh, workforce, but that, that to me is more of a housing play. Uh, tech companies don't really have a lot of people or the new ones, right? You know, the IBMs of the world do, but um, Apple, I think, just froze all hiring in 2023 just because of the fear of a recession. So we're getting there to that point uh, to where it might filter to the other economies. But uh, so far, with all the housing layoffs and the weakness in tech, it has not budged jobless claims, nor has it budged the job numbers. Right, and that's just because uh, vacancies or, or job openings are still high, and a sector service economy revolves around service sector jobs being the prime driver, uh, uh, and uh, we're, we're still in we're still in that phase where uh, demand is picked. That's why consumption is so important to the United States economy. Domestic consumption, where we're not an export economy, where we're going to grow millions of jobs if our export data booms. We're a service sector economy, like a lot of mature economies are. Uh, it's domestic consumption that rules. And right now, of course, the housing sector is in a recession, but retail sales are still holding up. And uh, we'll see how that goes for next year. Well, you might be happy about, and you might think this is the right thing to do, but um, while I can acknowledge that on, on the larger scale, it is so painful for our housing industry folks. Recessions are always painful. Um, the Federal Reserve acknowledges that that they, there's there's pain there. It's just that when you have price escalation like we saw, and no, there's there 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 has to be checks and balances. When when I wrote that article in February of 2021 that we need higher rates to cool down housing, everyone that went against that said that'll stop production. Right, and that'll hurt supply. Okay, well, price is going up forty three percent in two and a half years, roughly. Is going to impact the damage more because that's that's kind of like sticky induced inflation, right? So you need rates to get really higher to bring that equilibrium down. So I, it, it depends on the egotistical, self centered person. Now I want to get what I want for my house. And I don't care about anyone else. So that's the checks and balances that the Federal Reserve has to do, right? Because as a seller, you don't care. You're selling your home and you're good. As a buyer, you're like, wow, prices are really escalating. I mean, think about the buyers that had to compete with 20 or 25 home buyers. They missed out. And think about it. Their rates were like 3 4% back then. Now they're looking at 7%, you know? So this is... Part of our housing dilemma, which I've talked about for many years, we just didn't have enough product available. And we don't have a real like a big sales boom, right? If you look at it, 2020 existing home sales were only 130,000 more than uh, uh, 2017 levels. Uh, existing home sales are down today. Uh, uh, we're back to 20. Here's a really good example. Existing home sales today are trending back to where they were in 2014 when sales were down back then. But we had a little bit more than 1 million. Uh, inventory back then higher, 2.3 million is a high, we're at 1.2. So the, the the dynamics, we we got caught, right? The honest truth is we got caught in a very bad place. We didn't have enough product 
for the enough people. And then we forced people to bid against each other. Prices escalated. So when you try to calm that down, it creates a bigger uh, hit. This is why I created that 23 year or 23 price growth model for years 2020 to 2024. If we just grew at 4.6% a year or less, things would have been okay, right? Uh, wasn't the case now. Was not the case. Logan, uh, thanks for joining us today on this very important Fed day. We'll have you back again in a couple of days. And by then we'll know uh, kind of what we're looking at with mortgage rates and take a look at some other sectors of the economy. Yeah, Jobs Friday is coming up. So, of course, that's a big uh, data line. But again, jobless claims every Thursday, 530 in the morning. That's your key data line to track. Right. And when that breaks, the Fed will break with it. Great. And we'll be looking to you to tell us when that happens and, and what it means. Thanks again, Logan. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.